You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 22, a.k.a. Mason Appleton of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, just like always, joined by my fellow friend here of the pod, Alec Durham, my PIC. What is up today, brother? Not much, man. Well, you know, just having a nice weekend. How's it going for you? Oh, same here, same here. Uh, you know, my first day off on this lovely Sunday, and we're pretty much snowed in here. So a uh, bit of a hibernation weekend, I feel, coming on here. So uh, other than that, yeah, it's just, I heard you guys are getting storms too. Yeah, it was shitty last couple of days, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. And yeah, a bit of a tough week for the Kraken that we just had too, right? Uh, you know, a bit of a Canadian tour, but uh, weren't able to pull off a win this time, were we? No, unfortunately not. I mean, a couple close ones there, but puck didn't bounce our way. Pucks weren't bouncing our way. And it all kind of started off with a game against Toronto, February 14th, the day of love, they might say. So uh, love was in the air for that game against uh, Toronto. And you know, the Kraken facing off against a pretty storied franchise for the first time in their history, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, it was a you know special game in that regards. And, you know, when we bring up the Toronto Maple Leafs, you always have to mention zero in 67. That's all I really have to say about that. I don't know if you really have to. I uh, I do have to. I'm going to rub it in every single time. Zero in 67. And other than that, the German gentleman, of course, getting the start in the game for the Kraken in this one. And uh, Coach Hack pretty much going with the same lineups that we seen last game against Anaheim. So not a whole lot changed, eh? Yeah, no, we're just kind of going with the flow here and keeping it steady. Yeah, and it's just, you know, getting right into this game. It was a very... Very tough game for the crack. And of course, Toronto with all their high scoring, uh, you knew they were going to bring it and they did in this one. Yeah. You know, I mean, a not so great start for Seattle. They'd surrender the first goal of the game to Alex Kerfoot off a sloppy breakout attempt leads to a turnover from Joho. And, and, you know, unfortunately an early Leafs lead. 
Yeah, that was a tough one right off the bat. And, you know, shocker, shocker, another lead given up really early in the game by the Kraken, something uh, they definitely have to try to clean up at some point uh, going forward. But that's been a struggle all year for this team, hasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it definitely hurts if the other team's scoring goals before you even get your first shot on net because it took the Kraken six minutes and 16 seconds until Hayden Fleury finally got one on net. Yeah, it was nice to see that. That was actually a pretty good chance by Flurry there, too. He hammered a shot on net, but a big save there. Uh, coming the other way from uh, Jack Campbell and net. But uh, the Kraken kind of turned up the heat a bit. Managed to get a, a very, very lucky bounce off the ref there. Uh, Appleton picks it up off uh, a bounce off the ref there. And then Yarncrock, he steps in and he rips a sweet wrister in for a tying goal early on. Yeah, and it's back-to-back -back games there where the Kraken get these pretty lucky but awesome bounces coming off the refs or the linesmen. They're leading straight to goals for Seattle. Yeah, it's weird too. Um, you know, we've both seen tons of tons of hockey games uh, in our lifetime, and uh, for little things like that to happen back-to-back -back games, that's an oddball, right? You don't typically see many goals uh, coming off. Uh, uh, I think it was last game was the linesman. This time it was the ref. Uh, so just just really weird, eh? Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, the next bounce didn't go off either of them. It actually went off of Vince Dunn there. Just an awful bounce off his skate. Goes Bunting throws a puck towards Grubauer that was surely going to miss the net, but now it's 2-1 Toronto. Yeah, they take that lead right back, like you said, off of another bad bounce this time going against the Kraken. And, you know, every time something bad happens uh, against one of the D there and it's unlucky, it just seems like Vince Dunn's name gets brought up almost every time, eh? I know, that poor guy, if he's got any luck at all, it seems to be bad luck. Yeah, so, you know, it was another rough start for the Kraken's top, top line too. Both of those goals were basically caused from lousy plays in their own zone so that's always a tough one right yeah and then to make things worse too i mean the refs weren't helping calling alexiak for a tripping call after wayne simmons fell from the slightest little touch from big rig and of course the leaf score yeah that was a tough one not cool stripes that that one was on the stripes there uh, i really really didn't think that was a penalty at all on uh, alexiak Wayne Simmons, like he barely, barely touches him going around the net there. And Wayne Simmons just falls and the arm goes up. Toronto's power play, one of the best in the league, gets to work. And, you know, just like that, it was 3-1. And that would pretty much uh, wrap up a pretty tough period there for the Kraken. You know, anytime you're down 3-1 to a power powerhouse team like the Leafs, and then you're getting it shot 11-6, to makes it really tough to uh, to come back in the next 40 minutes of play. Yeah, especially when offense isn't generally your go-to as a team and throughout the season so far. You know, if Seattle's going to win, they're going to win those low-scoring games. And if we're spotting Toronto three goals after 20, that's not good. No, and we've seen, uh, you know, a bit of a reaction uh, from those three goals because the Kraken would throw a bit of a change-up to start the second period. Grubauer would get yanked in the intermission, and we'd see Drieger in net and, you know... Uh, Sometimes you just got to do that. Not always Grubauer's fault, but you got to do that to shake things up and, uh, you know, hope to find a spark in your team for the rest of the game. Yeah, but unfortunately with that spark looking, it still stayed pretty quiet for the start of the second period, but we would finally see the Kraken get their first power play of the game when old Mitch Marner there trips Mason Appleton and our 29th ranked power play gets a chance. Let's make this 15.4% a little bit better. 
Yeah, just fifteen point four percent coming into the game. It's been it's been tough for the Kraken, and honestly, this one was a bit of a lousy effort again on the power play. Uh, zero shots on net for the Kraken. That's that's definitely not what you need. Um, and Dunn would end up going right to the box for a trip right after, so that didn't help either. Yeah, and surprise, surprise, Marner scores his four hundredth NHL point. Four one Toronto now, and this game's basically out of reach. Yeah, it's funny you say that 400th point for Marner already. It felt still feels like he, you know, he's just entered the league just a few years ago and he he's already uh, you know, scored his 400th point. That guy's going to easily get over 1000 points and push some pretty big numbers by the time his career is done in the NHL. Yeah, it feels like he's hasn't been in the league very long. Looks like he's waiting to get into the league. Yeah. Yeah. If you take a look at his picture, he still looks like a 16 year old kid, but uh, man, that Leafs power play, when you watch it, it's, it's just so lethal, man. There's so many weapons that can score and move the puck around and move the puck with elite vision too. It, it was just, you know, how do you defend it? Right. It's a tough one. Yeah. They're so deceptive too. They make it look like they're going to shoot or pass and go with the opposite decision there. And everything's on the tape when they're clicking. It's nice. I mean, although the Kraken, and- kind of were getting shit pumped they still kept digging for a goal at the end of the second period too putting roughly five good shots on net before the buzzer so you could tell they were feeling frustrated with how the game was going though yeah and it was fr- frustrating to watch too but you know you, you always have to give credit where it's due like the team didn't give up they were still pushing like you said at the end and um unfortunately at the start of the third period it didn't go too smoothly either because you know, Toronto would pour some of that salt right into the wound in the third period, and uh, they'd score an absolutely gorgeous shorthanded goal. Yeah, Mitchie and- Marner on the breakaway there comes in, you know, just fakes going backhand, pulling Dreger out of the net and drops it through McCann's legs to David Camp for one of the easiest tap-in and the prettiest setup you're going to see all season. Honestly, that was just beautiful. Nothing but claps there. And uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, Mitch Marner had himself quite the game in this one. And uh, you could tell, you know, he was he was looking back as he picked that puck up and it almost looked like he slowed down a bit to let McCann catch up uh, in order to pull him in and, and make that decisive move. Pull the goalie over, you know, you're, you're faking out two Kraken players, one the goalie, one McCann. And then Camp just has a wide open net there. That, that was pretty slick. So credit there. That was pretty nasty. But it wasn't all negative for Seattle because the Kraken would get another crack on the power play before this game was over. And Jared McCann, making up for getting scapegoated there, would officially become the first ever Seattle Kraken player to hit the 20 goal mark in a season. And it took some only 44 games to do it. Yeah, man, that's it's been the like the biggest, brightest spot for this Kraken team has been Jared McCann and what he's been able to accomplish already this season. And to see him become the first ever 20 goal scorer for this team, uh, especially when you have guys like Eberle and Yanni Gord and and uh, Jaden Schwartz, you know, all these players who have done that before. Um to see McCann be the first one on this team just speaks volume to the type of season that he's having. Yeah. And I mean, every time the guy scores, you hear a cash register just going off in the background. He's going to make some money this summer. Oh yeah. Cha-ching, cha-ching, man. He's going to be making bank. And, you know, I'm still really hoping he gets a, a fairly good deal. Uh, I'd like to see something in the four to five 
year mark, you know, maybe six years. Um, I, you know, anything to avoid three or less, I think would be a win for the crack. And if they're able to get this guy signed. Yeah, I think you're right. You don't want to go too much past six there, but the four to six is really what you're hoping for. Yep. And you know, it was a valiant effort to, you know, try to come back for the Kraken, but it just was not going to be nearly enough as the Leafs would take this game pretty handily. And yeah, it pains me to say that, but uh, you know, high hopes going into the game, really, you know, hoping for a big victory against the Leafs, but uh, they brought their A game in this one. Yeah, they were certainly prepared. They came flying out of the gate, snapping it tape to tape. They were ready. Yeah, they were. And, uh, you know, the Canadian tour uh, would end up in Winnipeg for the next game. The Kraken played on February 17th, uh, flying into Winnipeg for the second matchup against the Jets this season after getting shut down the last time uh, and shut out, actually, 3 nothing. So a bit of a re- revenge game there. And would you look at that, Durham? The building was absolutely packed for this one. In Canada, too? Like, I couldn't believe it. Uh, it didn't feel real. So about friggin' time we see fans in a Canadian building, at like a full arena. So that was a great sight to see. Yeah, it was nice to have a good atmosphere back for those games. It, oh, it always is because it's been a rough road. It's been a long road. And um, honestly, there's there's no reason why you can't put fans in a stadium and, and fill it. We've seen what's been going on around the world and how the buildings are packed in the States and everything. It's, you know, it's time to move on. Let's get on with our lives and, and move on here and pack these buildings and, and create an atmosphere for these players to play in, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, you know, back to last game after Gru got yanked through the first there, he was going to go back between the pipes for this one, facing off against Eric Comrie in the other end. Yeah, we didn't have the Hellebuck uh, in net there. So, you know, that's always a bonus when you're playing the backup. But Eric Comrie, I think going into the game, he was 4-2-0. and So uh, not many games played for, for Eric Comrie there. But uh, a guy who's, you know, bounced around a bit and, you know, kind of, solidifying himself as a backup a bit this year. So, you know, good to see for Eric Comrie, but, but yeah, uh, coach hack did some line shuffling too ahead of this game. Uh, you know, after coming off a loss like that, it's reasonable to see that, but we'd see Wenberg to kind of join in that top line there with, uh, in place of McCann and McCann would slide down to the third line between Donato and Donskoy on his wing. So what would you think of that move? I mean, the, the Gord line's kind of going to stay together because they've got some chemistry and good forechecking. So it's kind of, if you're going to change yeah. anything, it's going to be the line one and three there. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. Canner gets slid down, but I don't think their time on ice is going to reflect really being a third line. Or his won't, at least. He's going to get extra ice out of the places. Yeah, exactly. He's still going to be top line power play, of course. Uh, the guy who leads the team in power play goals, he better not get taken off that first power play line. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of like it, but I, again, I, I almost want to see a bit more, you know, I love Donskoy, but at, at that point, I think you got to add a bit more scoring touch uh, to that third line. And, you know, with McCann, with Donato, those guys are goal scorers. Donskoy can make plays, but, um, you know, he's been cold with it. So uh, I wasn't too sure if I liked it or not, but, you know, it is what it is. I would almost like to see Wenberg with uh, – you know, McCann or Donato too. And, uh, you know, that way you got a playmaker feeding the guys who are scoring goals right now, two hottest goal scorers up front. So 
Um, it, it is what it is, though. Uh, they also had Geo uh, back with Larson, too, as a pair, and then Dunn paired with Lazon. And then that big, huge third pair of Susie and the Big Rig back together, uh, making that huge pairing. I, I love that third line when they're together, or that third pairing, I should say. Yeah, I mean, you could absolutely say they're huge for this team. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. And not only that, it was uh, Mason Appleton making his first return to, you know, the place that turned him into a regular NHL player in, in Winnipeg. So that was special to see. And on top of that, uh, a bit of a homecoming for Morgan Geeky. He had his family in the uh, in the stands there. And, you know, his brother plays for uh, the Winnipeg Ice in the WHL. So uh, they grew up close to uh, that, that city of Winnipeg. So a bit of a homecoming for Morgan Geeky there as well. Yeah, and then uh, getting into the start of the game here, very early power play chance in the game for the Kraken, just a minute 34 into the game, and it's one of the hottest scorers on the team right now. Vince done with a fucking laser from the point off the twine, and the Kraken are on the board early in the peg. Yeah, Vince Dunn, a guy who's been heating up. I think we talked about it too last pod. That was his third goal for Dunn in his last five games, so uh, good to see him starting to shoot more. Uh, he's been on a bit of a tear recently, so we'd love to see it, right? Yeah, and then speaking of tears, Jordan All-Star Aberly kind of goes off for a holding call, though, five minutes in. Just penalties for this team. Just on a tear for those. Yeah, and the Kraken, they did do a great job, though, getting into the lanes and defending the house there. Uh, killing off the first power play of the game, or, yeah, the first power play for Winnipeg, and that's a... a pretty tough power play to be killing off so uh kind of a good start there as well yeah and then also with a good start don scoy because he was looking active on early on in this game showing off moves with a sweet little spin and a rama to get a backhander off on net but i mean it's don scoy we're talking about so we knew it wasn't going in right yeah unfortunately uh it wasn't crossing the line but uh you know take a drink every time jonas don scoy does a spin rama this year i feel like that's his fourth or fifth attempt and, you know, I guess you get desperate when you're not scoring goals and things aren't going in. I, you know, what sucks, man. I, I had high hopes that when he scored a couple weeks back, maybe two to three weeks now, um, that that would really kind of break things open for him and he'd find his confidence. But we just, we just haven't seen anything since. So it's been a bit of a disappointing thing. Yeah, but what we would see is the Kraken strike again before the first period's over, and this time it'd be Marcus Johansson skating circles around the entire Winnipeg team, just doing a little tornado there in the other end, and he rips a shot past Eric Comrie, making it look easy. First point for Joho in four games, too. Yeah, I really liked that goal, and uh, looking back at it, I think Winnipeg maybe gave him a bit too much room, but he was able to just skate around that offensive zone and then, you know, pick his spot and find Comrie moving over towards the right. And he puts it, uh, you know, on his far side there and we find some room. So really nice goal by Marcus Johansson there. I was loving it. Yeah, that was sick. And I mean, just when you think the Kraken would have a perfect period too, they get a power play with less than a minute left in the first. That sounds like a perfect ending, right? It does, yeah. You, you you know, power play, minute left, you're up to nothing. What's going to go wrong? Get fucked. The Jets are going to score a shorthanded goal with 12 seconds left. What a momentum killer at the end of a great 19 minutes. What went wrong on that? 
I don't know. Just not completely focused there on that on that uh, power play. And, you know, you see the Jets break it out. They get their two-on-one chance. Uh, you know, they just kind of forechecked and found a loose puck in the zone, and they, they went the other way. And it felt like they were just more aware with how much time was left in that uh, period. Like you said, 12 seconds to go, and, and they're able to score that goal. Um, th- just a tough momentum killer, like you said. So uh, I just don't think, you know, you, you got to stay focused for every – every single second of that play. And I think they just lost some of that focus. And, you know, because of that, you know, the momentum shifts right before the end of the, the first period. And now you go into the second period with just that one goal lead. So pretty tough because, you know, it looked like a perfect period. And then next thing you know, um, things really started to shift after that play. So that was a tough one. And shifted they ever because just like the first period, there's an early goal to start the second, just a minute 45 in. Except this time, it's the wrong damn team scoring the goal. The Jets get one off a perfectly placed shot over Grubauer's glove from Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah, uh, that was a nasty goal. That, that's another one where it, it, it's tough to blame that on Grubauer. That was just a perfect shot. Uh, like you said, over the glove, bar down. Um, and then just like that, it's a 2-2 game. And it, it felt like it was survival mode in the first 10 minutes of that period for the crack. And the Jets, uh, they turned it on with the jet fuel and uh, they started pushing back in that hockey game. Yeah, and really it wasn't until the second half where the Kraken actually had some pushback and created chances of their own. And one of those coming off an Everly chance in tight who just wrung it off the post. Yeah, that would have been nice to take that lead back there for Eberle. Uh, great opportunity there, but it wouldn't matter much because Alexiak would try going for a skate behind his own net to clear a puck out, but he turns it over and the Jets take the lead. Durham, what the hell was he thinking there? That was such a bad turnover. I'm not entirely sure what he was looking at and what he wanted to go with there, but I mean, you either got to rim the puck or go D to D. That's kind of just brutal and speaking of actually you know what else was brutal Gord's hit on Shifley that that was pretty brutal not gonna lie like I gotta admit that was borderline even even for the certified shift disturber that Yanni is um he's always gonna play on that edge you're always gonna get that but you know taking a look at that hit uh that was I would say that was it on that was dangerous and uncalled for did make for a hell of an exciting scrum, though. Yeah, yeah, those guys were heated. Shifley got up. He looked like he was ready to tear his head off. Uh, I think Yanni was probably just laughing the whole time. He didn't give a fuck about it. And then, yeah, unfor- uh, well, the Kraken would actually kill off the penalty. So, you know, keeping the game 3-2 for you know, the Jets going into the third period. So if you're going to look at the positive, it didn't lead to any goals. So, um <laughs> You're going to get that out of Yanni, though. That was a crazy, uh, crazy little scrum there and a borderline hit. And, you know, just thankful there wasn't any uh, any more discipline after the game for, for Yanni on that play. Those 5'9 guys are always walking the line. You know, a little dangerous out there. You have to when you're when you're a short guy like that. You got to you got to do something to keep yourself uh, engaged and and uh, let the bigger guys know that uh, you're not to be fucked around with either. So, um, you know, part of me is like, I love it. The other part of me is like, uh, it was a pretty bad hit. <laughs> so 
uh, you know, a bit of kind of torn on that one. And yeah, looking into the third period, bit of a quiet third period to start, but the Kraken finally get a bounce to go their way. Eberle puts home a tap in while standing on the edge of the crease there off a pretty little jet dish from Marcus Johansson. So that, that was a nice way to get it tied up. Yeah, just wires it to the crease there. Nice little deflection from Eberle. But then right mm -hmm. after that, too, you get Donato tripping up Morrissey. And once again, the Kraken stay aggressive and get another strong penalty kill from the guys down there. Not giving up any shots on that chance late in the third. Yeah, but of course, Kraken doing some great uh, usually follows with doing some bad. And this time it did. Kyle Connor making a dandy of a pass over to Josh Morrissey, and he goes far down on Grubauer. Jets up uh, with six minutes left in this hockey game. That was a, another uh, heartbreaker, another backbreaker right there. And again, another perfectly placed shot, honestly. Um you know, you could blame Grubauer all you want, but that was a laser from Josh Morrissey. I mean, yeah, that's two today where just perfect shots where you can't really say to the goalie, hey, you should have had that. Yeah, and uh, Kyle Connor made a really good play to fake the shot and feed it over, and uh, it was such a quick play. Morrissey, you know, one-timed it, and it just happened to, you know, go perfectly bar down. Uh, and, you know, one of those shots that, you know, you almost just want your players to be more aggressive with sticks in the lanes to try to break that play up. And unfortunately that wasn't the case. Jets would take that goal, ride it all the way to the finish line. Plus, you know, add in the empty netter. Cause why the fuck not? We pull the goalie. We get scored on almost every time jets would take it five to three. Another heartbreaker for the Kraken in this one, after a very, very good, strong start in the first period. Eh? Yeah. You bring up the first period. That's one of the things I like from this game. You know, you get the first there, the nice, minute or 1945 you get the penalty kill they did well again scoring from the top line those are some positives yeah to take that positive like Winberg fit in pretty nicely on that top line um they were the ones creating the most uh scoring in the game so uh you know good move by coach hack there but another one of these games where the kraken fall apart when they have a good lead and uh you know end up with the loss again so they drop both games to the Winnipeg Jets this year, and uh, just tough, just tough, especially when you have high hopes after a great start in the hockey game, uh, only to you know have it kind of damage, or you know have it turn around and and lose like that. Always tough, always tough. Yeah, so you know after that game, the boys are going to be fired up, want a big redemption game, the next one, and well, the next game happens to be a big one for the boys absolutely huge game durham you're right uh it's not just another hockey game in this one they last night they would uh fly in and play the calgary flames who are red hot as of uh recently of course flame and hot as you could say and it was a huge game durham because the kraken's beloved fearless bald but beautiful captain mark giordano made his big return to the place his NHL career all began and blossomed into a, a very long and great career. Um, huge night for Mark Giordano. And what about that uh, opening there? And uh, just the salute to Mark Giordano. You got the video tribute. You got a half-packed building because they're stuck only putting 50% uh, capacity, but 
the big standing ovation for Mark Giordano. What a moment for him and so deserving for a guy who's done so much for uh, not only the team of Calgary, but the city and uh, just that whole community there. So what a moment for Mark. I'm not crying. You're crying. No, you're crying. You cry. <laughs> oh, here's some stats, though, uh, for stat of the week. Just going to throw it out there right now. Mark Giordano played NHL, 14 NHL seasons with the Flames. Uh, he played in 949 games with them, put up a whopping 509 points uh, while captaining the Flames for the last eight seasons prior to this one. So uh, that's a hell of a stat line for Mark Giordano right there, eh? Yeah, that's a pretty impressive career, especially to do it all with one team after going undrafted as well. Yeah, undrafted player. And I didn't realize after his first uh, season with Calgary, I believe it was uh, the 05 06 year, he played 48 games. So that was like his first real season. Um, I forget how many points he had. I might have to look it up. But uh, the very next year, Durham, he went to the KHL and played for, uh, I think, Moscow. So uh, you don't typically see that too often. No, that's definitely an odd one there. Yeah, jumps over to the KHL for a year. Um, it, it would be interesting to see like his ice time and, and all of that, or maybe there was some kind of feud going on, but yeah, just after his first real NHL season jumps over to the KHL for the year. And it's not like it was a lockout or anything, right? Oh, six, Oh seven. And then, you know, comes back and plays every year with Calgary up until this one. And the fact that he was the captain for, uh, for eight straight seasons, that's very impressive as well. Yeah. And uh, I got another stat for you here. Yeah. Calgary's won eight straight home games going into that game. Yeah, last night's matchup. I know, dude, they've been red hot. They're sitting at the top of the Pacific and they have games in hand. They they're the best team in the Pacific. I mean, you you have to give it to them. Uh, they've got the best goaltender in that division. Um they they got the most points and they have games in hand against every team. So uh, you add all that in, uh, Calgary is going to be a dynamite team going forward. So uh, and the one problem with them is whenever they do have an awesome season, uh, they seem to lose in the first round. So uh, they kind of got that Toronto curse going on for them. Yeah, they certainly do. I never picked them to go far in the playoffs. Nope. Um, but yeah, jumping into last night's game. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, what do you say, Durham? Seattle gets down early in another hockey game. Complete shocker, right? Yeah, who didn't see that coming? Yeah, and kind of tough to avoid it against Calgary, but it was their top line. Um, just able to walk right into the Kraken zone, basically uncontested. And, you know, the puck gets to the back wall after, uh, uh, after a block shot from Dunn. He goes to the corner there, goes to the half wall to take a whack at it. But uh, Elias Lindholm gets there first and is able to get the pass right off, uh, right to the slot for Matthew Kachuk, who uh, nobody's there except for him, and he just hammers it upstairs to beat Grew early on in the game. Yeah, it's just a little bit lousy coverage there coming in. Nobody sees Kachuk streaming in except for Elias Lindholm, which is the one guy you don't want to see having Kachuk coming in. And they just wire it tape to tape and in. Yeah, and that top line has been just so completely nasty for Calgary. You take a look at all those players' stats. They're all having sick years. Goudreau's having a career year. But the one thing that speaks volumes is uh, they're plus-minus. And I know people are like, yeah, that's a junk stat. But 
take a look at their plus minus. They're all like plus 40 right now. Uh, that's pretty ridiculous. And it just shows uh, how often these guys are getting goals and just not getting scored on when they're on the ice. Um, so it's been dominant from that team. Yeah, and then you'd uh, get the Kraken as well. You know, we get the game tied back up with a hand-wrapped gift by Noah Hannafin. Throwing a blind, pa blind pass from behind his net right to the front of the net. No one's there except for your boy, Kale Yarncroft, who fires home his 10th on the year. And that's both goals to start the game with a beautiful pass to the slot from Calgary. Yeah, Calgary setting up both goals in the, in the game early on. That was beautiful. And... <laughs> Man, that trade stock just keeps on rising for uh, your boy boy there, Cal Yarncroc. So the more he plays, the more I like. don't want him to leave this team. But at the same time, the more you're like, well, he could, you know, he could still bring in quite the package. So uh, he's that Swiss Army knife a lot of teams are going to be looking at. So, uh, you know, he's up to double-digit goals on the year after, you know, a crazy slow start for him. He he really picked things up. But you're right, man. That was such a bad turnover there by Noah Hannafin. Uh, I almost thought it was Lausanne in a Flames jersey there for a second. Oh, shit. Shots fired. <laughs> Shots friendly fired. fire. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, friendly fire on Lausanne. Love you. But, uh, yeah, some of those some of those turnovers were atrocious, especially early on in the year. I had to say that, especially when they both wear 55. So, um Grubauer, though, in that first period, especially in later half or, you know, the last five minutes, just making a handful of really big saves to end that first period. And he didn't receive a whole lot of help from his team after, uh, you know, after that first period and for the rest of the game. Man, both goalies, I'll admit, were disgusting. Like they had to be the best players on the ice all game. Honestly, honestly, I completely agree. Like Markstrom, he didn't have to put up a lot of saves, but uh, how about that double pad stack save in the second period from Markstrom? Pulling that move right from the 1980s and just completely robs Eberle of everything he's got there. That was just absolutely disgusting by, uh, by Markstrom. And you could tell that guy's got all the confidence in the world right now. Oh, man, as a Pens fan watching that, I was like, holy shit, is that 2010 Marc-Andre Fleury just flopping around out there? <laughs> well, I was like, is that Craig Anderson from 2011 all the way on to 2019? Like, fuck, I got to see him play a lot for the Sens, and he had some old-school style to his game, man, and one of the last players to be doing those pad stacks all the time. But I fucking love seeing goalies make saves like that. It's just incredible. Yeah, we definitely got a lot of opportunities to watch Grubauer make saves because he had double the workload Markstrom did in that second period. Shots ended up 18-8 to eight for Calgary in the second period alone. Yeah, and, and it wasn't the – it was a pretty good battle in the first period. Obviously a bit of a slow start there for the, for the Kraken early on. But, uh, you know, they battled with it, but the second period was a bit of a different story, man. Calgary really, really started to turn it on. And if it wasn't for Grubauer, man, he was just on another level. Uh, you know, it could have been a lot more uglier than it was. So, uh, But it was a 1-1 game. And uh, we'd see uh, with six minutes left in the second, the Kraken actually got their first power play of the game after Trevor Lewis tripped up Blackwell who made a really solid effort getting to the net there, but obviously gets tripped up and the crack and go to the power play. 
Yeah, the Kraken actually looked pretty great on that power play. Tons of shooting coming from either Dunn or McCann, obviously the guys you'd want to be shooting the puck lately. They're doing a great job of getting the right guys to get out there and get those opportunities. Yeah, I agree. Uh, out of the two guys right now, uh, well, those two guys are the ones you want taking the shots. Vince Dunn's pretty hot from the back end, and Jared McCann is your team's best shooter, and he is the best shooter on the power play 100% too. So getting those guys, those shots is great. I still think you need to work on, or they need to work on getting more traffic towards those netminders, though that's something that still kind of lacks with this team. Yeah, but how about Grubauer, though? Through 40 minutes, the man had 28 saves on 29 shots. He was on another level. Yeah, uh, speaking to how much traffic uh, you know he had uh, in front of him with rubber, that's how many shots the Kraken average per game against, and that was just through two periods. So, um, yeah, like we said, he was just zoned in and on another level. And how about the start of that third period, though, Durham? Things got a little nasty there between Donato and Coleman. Kind of sharing a few words before puck drop, and you could tell right there. Um, you know, when that puck dropped, those gloves were going to drop drop as well, and those two just went after it there. Yeah, totally going to give Donato the win there after he scored the takedown. Not up for discussion either. No, no, and that's the, uh, I believe that's the second time Donato's dropped the gloves, maybe even third. I know he did it in one of the first few games of the season, so somebody who not only scores goals, but he's not afraid to stand up for himself and his teammates and show that he's got some tenacity in his game. So I, I love to see it from Donato definitely doing everything he can to earn another contract for next season going forward. And I'd love to have that guy back on the team. Yeah. He's definitely proving his worth at providing depth scoring to this team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we'd see one of the better saves you'll see from a player instead of a goalie. When Adam Larson is able to get into the crease there and stop a sure goal from going in. That was absolutely disgusting from Larson to get there and, and keep this game tied. I guess you could call it larceny. Oh, I guess you could call it larceny. That was a good one. Um, but it wouldn't even matter a whole lot because just a minute after that, uh, the Kraken would give up the tiebreaker after Elias Lindholm picks up a puck off uh, a block shot there. Um, and he's able to find that loose puck. Uh, right in the house, you know, makes a spin play to get the shot on net, and it ends up beating Grubauer cleanly. Uh, looked like he might have been a bit screened on the play, but nevertheless, 2-1 uh, Flames lead in the third. Yeah, I mean, this was one you could kind of see it coming to, as the Kraken weren't doing nearly enough to create pressure in the Flames zone, zone and they didn't even get their first shot of the period till the halfway mark. Yeah, that's not going to do it, right? Uh, one one game going into the third you got to create more and kind of disappointing considering you know your team just watched an auto get into a nice tilly there drop the mitts and you'd think you'd have a bit more jump from the boys after that but they just didn't have it yeah i mean they kind of did near the end of the third but just couldn't muster up enough to come back into the game and at that point it's kind of really too little too late yeah, yeah, to a sense, it, it really was. And damn, man, I was really hoping to see Mark Giordano tie the game uh, up late in that third period because he started throwing everything he could on net near the end of the game. And 
Um, unfortunately, Markstrom was just too dialed in uh, yet again for the Calgary Flames. Actually, speaking of Geo, too, did you see his little scrap there at the end of the game? Took a little run at Backlund, so Kachuk has to jump in, and uh, Geo wasn't having any of that shit. No, you you could tell, man, he was emotional at the end of the game. He was not happy. He wanted that win badly. And, yeah, he kind of goes out of his way to take that run at Backlund. Uh, Kachuk kind of notices. He comes in to say, what are you doing? But uh, Giordano was ready to throw hands, and it looked like he was chirping everybody on that Flames team at the end. So you could tell he was pretty emotional. And you, why wouldn't you be, right? You, you spent so much of your, your whole career there. You have a big return like that. Your team is on the edge of tying it up late. You don't get it after having about four or five shots on net in the last few minutes. And yeah, you're going to be fired up, right? Yeah, I mean, especially when you factor in like Seattle loses the game 2-1. They drop all three that week. You're going to be a little extra pissed off if you're Giordano. So yeah, factor that in. And the third one happens to be with Calgary too. Yeah, yeah, tough week for, you know, him and the Kraken. And, you know, obviously he wants to, you know, if he's going to be moving on from Seattle, he wants to finish strong and make sure he's in the groove going into, you know, whatever new organization he may be a part of. But, you know, Grubauer was the opposite of disappointing last night, I thought. Well, clearly, I don't have to think it because he just was. Uh, 30, 35 saves on 37 shots for a 946 save percentage in a losing effort. Uh, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and also a little ridiculous is there's only one power play in the whole game. Yeah, just the one power play. I can't remember the last time uh, we've seen that. I don't think we have this year in a Kraken game, to be honest. Just the one power play total. Um, kind of uh, playoff vibes there. Yeah, they just put the whistles away. Yeah, and uh, the Kraken are going to be continuing uh, on with this uh, road trip in Canada tomorrow night, uh, February 21st, on Monday there. They're going to be in Vancouver, uh, facing off uh, against the Vancouver team who's kind of come back down after uh, they you know, they started real hot with Bruce Brudrow. We all thought maybe they're going to be, you know, making a run into the top three slot to, you know, secure a spot in the Pacific for a playoff spot. But uh, they've kind of come back down recently now, uh, you know, 3-3-0 in their last six games. Uh, what do you expect in this matchup against Vancouver? Well, I'm expecting that this is going to be the first time the Kraken score more than two goals against Vancouver. Because like you said, they've kind of come down offensively, really. They've only got JT Miller pumping right now. Maybe Quinn Hughes you want to focus on, but everyone else is kind of at 30 points or lower. So there's not a whole lot of offensive juggernaut throwing around out there. And uh, you might want to take this rivalry game here. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, this is going to be a great matchup for the fact that uh, both times that these two teams have played, it's been very, very physical and it's had a great feel and a great atmosphere to the game. So this one should be a dandy and I think you're right on that too with uh, you know scoring more than two goals. Uh, Vancouver's been giving up a lot of goals recently. They dropped six against uh, the New York Islanders. And then who did they play last night? They dropped like another seven against them as well, I believe. Oh, yeah. Who last night was the Ducks, Anaheim. Yeah, so they've been uh, getting scored on, uh, you know, pretty big uh, as of – recently so uh, i don't know expecting a high scoring game and a very physical game uh because these two teams are essentially uh 
going to be each other's biggest rivals, I think, you know, in the future, especially once both teams are very competitive. Oh man, these matchups are going to be the best to watch. So looking forward to that, but uh, any, any, uh, any score predictions? Five, one Seattle. Oh, going to be a blowout. And, you know, we got to pick up a victory this upcoming week. I mean, like we said, we're, we're going to be playing Vancouver there. And then we're back at home against uh, the Islanders and Boston. And then back on the road against uh, San Jose on Sunday. So um, these last three teams here are teams that we've kind of seen recently. Um, so what, what do you expect going forward against the Islanders, against Boston, against San Jose? Uh, I think this could be a good week of some, some victories for the Kraken. Yeah. I mean, the Islanders, I think are going to be kind of bringing it. They've been struggling the last few games. They just picked up a win against funny enough, Boston. They got Montreal today. So that should be kind of a good confidence boost for them. Maybe they'll start thinking they can roll it into town, but especially getting us on a back-to-back, that might be a little bit tougher of a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we shut them out last time. Um, the, a nice three, nothing victory there. It was a pretty tight game for most of it. And then the cracking kind of broke out near the end of the game and, and it started putting goals on, uh, goals in the net. So, um, like we talked about against the Islanders, the last game we predicted, I think it was like a two, one game. We predicted it ended up three zero. Um, so this one might be more of a defensive battle. It typically is against the Islanders, but like you said, they've, they've been scoring recently. They led up Vancouver, they beat Boston. Uh, so it looks like maybe their offense is kicking in a bit more. So, uh, it should be a great matchup against them as well. And looking forward to it. How about Boston? Boston's, uh, I don't know, a little bit troubling for me because they're doing well. I mean, they had that six, nothing that they dropped against Carolina, but it's fucking Carolina. And they've been kind of holding their own without Marshawn. They took Ottawa twice, lost to the Islanders, lost to the Rangers in a shootout. They got Colorado coming up, so that's going to be a tough one. But I think we're going to, we should have a good shot against Boston here, catching them the last game without Marshawn coming off his six game suspension. Yeah, and Boston two, three, and one since the last matchup just a couple weeks ago. There, uh, they're sitting in that fourth spot in the Atlantic, and like you said, they're not going to have that uh, Brad Marchand. So uh, we shouldn't be too worried about our goalies getting run or punched in the face or uh, <laughs> a couple things like that that uh, Marchand, uh, you know, typically does. Maybe a slew foot there, maybe maybe lick somebody's face. Uh, you know, he he's done it all. So. Uh, we shouldn't have to be worried about that. Um, but again, it should be another physical game against Boston. They know how to bring that physicality. Yeah, they're definitely going to be a grinded out type of game, similar to the mm-hmm. Islanders. Yeah, and it was a close game. It was a 3-2 game that we lost against Boston there in that last matchup. So, And it was fun. It was a great atmosphere in Boston. So let's hope that's a great atmosphere at Climate Pledge Arena on February 24th against Boston and, uh, you know, looking forward to a great game there. And then to end the week off a week from today on February 27th, we're going to be in San Jose in California, the nice sun going to be jealous of that. And San Jose, another, another team that, uh, we recently beat just a couple weeks ago and we're two and zero against them too. They're kind of falling off the map here and really sinking into the, uh, the bottom of the standings now. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a team that hasn't won a game since January 26th when they beat Washington 4-1. So they're approaching three weeks without a W. Sure, they had like a week and a half off, but that still sucks because that's one, two, three, four games. Five games, sorry. I didn't see Florida there. Yeah, yikes. Just one, three, and three since the last time we played them. So, um, yeah, we're 2-0 and against the, the Sharks, and we found a lot of success against them. What do you think that is? Good pre-scouting would be my assumption. Everyone knows what they're supposed to do, goes in, understands what the job is, and they fucking get her done. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think the most important thing is, um, you know, when when it's a battle of sea creatures, obviously the Kraken are more dominant against the Sharks. Um, th- that's a given. So maybe that plays a little bit of that, why there's been some success there. One Kraken can tie up like six Sharks, so it's just a numbers game. It's just a numbers game, exactly. So uh, hopefully we could keep on finding success against the the San Jose Sharks and continue kind of dominating them uh, as the best sea creature in the NHL because no doubt we are already. So going to be some exciting games going forward this next week and uh, looking forward to it. What do you think uh, out of the four games, how many victories? I'll say two regulation and they'll pick up an extra point. Oh, okay. So like a two, one and one situation. Yeah. I'm going to go with two, one and ones, the record this week. Nice. You heard it here first folks. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. Durham, I think it's time to talk about some NHL slash hockey topics that have kind of happened over the last week here and uh, starting off with uh, the first trade of the NHL kind of trade deadline countdown here for the 2021-2022 season and the first real big trade happening and that's Montreal sending Tyler Toffoli to the Calgary Flames for a 2022 first round pick. It is top 10 protected Uh, along with that a 2024 fourth round pick Tyler Pitlick so a bit of a fourth line center depth guy and prospect Emil Heineman, who was originally drafted 43rd overall in 2020. So a second rounder, uh, originally a Panthers pick, but he was part of uh, the trade uh, that uh, sent Sam Bennett to Florida there. So he was sent to Calgary as part of that Sam Bennett deal. Uh, what do you think of this one? I actually really like this trade for Calgary. I mean, I don't think they're giving up too much and they're getting this plus two more years of Tyler Toffoli, who has chemistry from back in his junior days with Sean Monaghan. So hopefully they're able to get him going as well. 
I really like this for Calgary. I really, really like it for Calgary too. I think the the biggest part is you, you're not giving up a whole lot. You, you're giving up, you know, you look at their prospects that Calgary has. They didn't get rid of any of their good top prospects. They are still stockpiled with a lot. Like you're getting a guy like uh, Tyler Toffoli. You're not even uh, leaving some of the guys you've picked in the first round over the last few years, especially Matthew Coronado, who, uh, is an absolute steal of a pick, I think, uh, that they had last draft. And you, you're not getting rid of any of your real top prospects. You're giving up a late 2022 first-round pick. Um, and you're like you said, you're getting to Foley for this playoff run and two more years after this at a pretty friendly 4.25 cap hit. I love this deal for Calgary. Yeah, I think this doesn't have anything that's going to hurt them. No. And, you know, so far in a few games, he's kind of been, uh, uh, you know, just the one goal so far playing third line minutes, but I think he's only playing that role for now until, you know, he adjusts to the team a bit more and understands, uh, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what Sutter is, is, uh, is developing there and playing their lines. Like, so he, he's just got to get used to the chemistry there and understand their systems is, is pretty much what I'm trying to say. Um, and then I think that time on ice will improve. And, uh, I'm thinking he still gets some power play one time at some point with this team. So you got to love it. And again, the connection with Daryl Sutter too, this guy's played under this same head coach already and won a Stanley cup with him back, uh, when, you know, he was with LA and Sutter was coaching uh, the Kings as well. So there's that connection there as well. So uh, you, you take a few, there's a few different connections. I like how you point out the one with Sean Monaghan. They played for the Ottawa 67s in the OHL together and uh, lit it up there too together. And, you know, Monaghan's probably the one guy on this Calgary team who just hasn't found his game and hasn't really gotten going. So if you can have them create some chemistry too, now you're looking at three very lethal lines for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, and that might help with the uh, not losing in the first round thing. Exactly. And Toffoli brings it in the playoffs too. He has some pretty good numbers. Uh, if you look at his numbers with, uh, um, with LA there, he has some pretty good numbers. He's about half a point a game guy. Uh, I think that 2014 run, uh, he did very well too. And he, he was, what was that line called again? That 70s line. That 70s line. That's right. So, uh, you know, he was a big part of that line. And, you know, <clears throat> he might only be a 40 to 50 point guy throughout those next couple of years with Calgary, but. You know, if he can be consistent in the playoffs and score big goals like he's done in the past in the playoffs, uh, that's really all you need out of him. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I love this deal all around. Moving on, though, Durham, uh, shout out to the Canadian ladies uh, for Team Canada there, winning gold once again against the USA in the Olympics, revenging their last loss from 2018 where they uh, lost in a shootout. Uh, how awesome was that to see? Oh, it was great to see not just them winning gold and kicking ass once again. Sorry, my American friends. But uh, it was nice to see them dominate the tournament. New record, too, with goals scored. I believe it was 57 or 58 they ended with. Just sick. Yeah, that that's crazy impressive. And um, it looked very lopsided at the start of that game for Canada. Um 
you know, they even had a goal waved off and they were, you know, still got out to a three nothing lead, but then the U S started pushing back and with some of their top, uh, top players, Hillary Knight, obviously a big part of that team. And, uh, you know, Kendall school uh, Kendall Scoyne, Colfield might've butchered that really badly. I think he um, got it in the last one. Okay. Okay. Well, I feel fine. I feel like an idiot, but um, yeah, they, they did, they pushed back and made it a pretty, uh, pretty good game there late. And, uh, you know, that's a game that you, you just, you can't miss it as a hockey fan. Those, those two powerhouse teams, the, the States and the Canadians for the, for the women's side, um, unbelievable hockey when these two teams meet and, you know, you see it in the Olympics, you see it in the world championship games each year as well. Uh, there, it's such a great rivalry. One of the best there, there could ever be. Um, but yeah, big shout out to the Canadian ladies there, uh, getting it done, winning gold, bringing that gold back. Love to see it. Speaking of Canadian ladies, is there anyone more clutch than Marie Philippe Poulin? Literally scored in every Olympic gold medal game she's played in. That's four, by the way, fucking four. That goes back 12 years. She's the only Olympic athlete, male or female, in history to do that. Yeah, that is unbelievable. And honestly, she deserves the title of like most clutch player. Like, I get it. There's names out there, Mr. Game 7, all of this for certain players. But Marie Philip Plan, to accomplish that is insane. And some of those games she scored multiple goals in. And not only did she score in them, she got the game-winning goals in those games as well. I believe at least two of them. Um, so just unbelievable what she's been able to accomplish. And the fact that she's done it over four Olympics now, um, that that's just insane. That's a span of 12 years. It's just unbelievable. So uh, we had to shout her out. Just amazing stat there. Marie Philip Plan uh, going to go down as one of the best to ever do it in female hockey history. Yeah, for sure. And uh, moving right along here to go to the men's side because, uh, you know, not that uh, I was, you know, very pumped to watch that gold medal game, but uh, big shout out to, you know, fellow NHL prospect of the 2022 NHL draft, Yurash Slavkovsky, um, playing for Slovakia there, uh, literally tied for the league, for the league, uh, for the lead in the Olympics for points and, you know, had the goal scoring uh, lead as well by the end of it, seven goals in seven games for Juraj Slavkovsky. Uh, this is the first time that Slovakia has ever medaled in men's hockey uh, in their history. And this kid was a huge part of it, man. I am just excited to see this guy in the NHL Durham. Are you excited to see him in Seattle? I am excited to see him in Seattle. You know why? Why? Because this guy is a top three pick. I'm saying it right now. He's a top three pick. He might even go second. Hell, he could challenge for that top spot right now. And I don't think he's getting talked about enough about it. You know, I was a big fan of him even before this Olympics. You know, go back a couple podcasts ago. You, you know, you, you could hear it all then. But this kid is going to be a hell of a player in the NHL. Yeah, I think I read the one scouting article that one of their scouts had Slavkovsky at number one over Shane Wright. Yeah, and no, I don't doubt it, man. He's gonna he's gonna be battling for that top spot against Shane Wright. Like, 
do you think Shane Wright could have stepped in and put up those kind of numbers? Uh, it's tough to say, man. It's tough to say. I would love to see right there to see, but um, that wasn't the case, unfortunately. Uh, Slavkovsky, though, you know, he gets top line minutes in, in uh, Slovakia's team. You know, seven goals in seven games. By the way, this guy is still 17 years old, Durham. Is that good? I think that's pretty good. He doesn't turn 18 until March 30th. And I honestly hope, I really, really hope that uh, this guy's at the top of the Kraken's list and, uh, you know, he's in a Kraken jersey. Because can you imagine, you know, Slavkovsky is going to most likely, you know, he's he's been listed as a center at some point, but uh, he's most likely going to slide to the wing at the NHL. You know, huge body, six foot four, 212 pounds, 17 years old. He's still got growth left to him. This guy can still get bigger. He's got a huge set of skills, just so much raw talent. Can you imagine him playing next to Beneers in the future for this top line in Seattle? Oh, wouldn't that be nice to have just like a goal scoring Rick Nash style player on your wing? Oh man, you can't go wrong with that. Not wrong at all. And you know, that's, that would be super exciting to see. So, um, you know, looking forward to that NHL draft day by day and, uh, might have, might have to actually go on, uh, tankathon here, tankathon.com. And you could do little, uh, mock drafts and, uh, little uh, little drafts where you could reset it and and see where everybody goes and it's fun to see or it's fun to do so i might be going on that all the time now yeah it's always a blast dicking around on one of them yep yeah I, i've done a lot of it being a sens fan so um pretty used to that site um but moving on here we got a bit of crack and news to go go over here uh jaden schwartz appears pretty ready to make his return to the lineup uh, he actually traveled to the team uh, with the team to Calgary the other night, and he'll be with them too uh, in Vancouver. So we might see him in the lineup very, very soon here. So that's great news for the Kraken. Yeah, that'll be huge for the boys back on the forward course to get 17 back. Yeah, get 17 back, especially as we get closer to the trade deadline. There might be some bodies getting moved. So uh, to be able to replace that with uh, Jaden Schwartz, uh, one of your top players, uh, you know, that'll continue to bring some competitiveness to the Kraken's lineup. And uh, moving on here to uh, the Kraken make history in another amazing, inspiring way. Uh, we definitely have to mention this one um, to the co-broadcasters here, JT Brown and Everett Fitzhugh became the NHL's first all black broadcast team in history when the Kraken took on the Jets just a few days back. How special is this moment for them, Durham? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, the fact that it hasn't happened yet is kind of crazy, especially with the last few years, everyone getting into the game and, you know, breaking down doors and borders. And it's nice to see the representation getting out there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, it was awesome. The only thing I was upset about was I couldn't get the home stream for this game. I was stuck on the Jets one and I kept trying to find one. And, and every time I found one, it was just froze right away. So I didn't get the opportunity to, to really experience it. So I'm really hoping that they're teamed up once again for another game down the road. And, you know, of course they got to be right. They got to do this once again. Um, but this, this was a huge moment and a special moment and great to see that it was uh, the, the Kraken broadcasters pulling this one off. So that was just great to see. 
And uh, we're going to wrap this podcast up with uh, a little hockey slang volume two. We did this uh, a little bit, a little while ago, Durham. We're going to bring it back though, to end this podcast off. I'm going to list off some hockey slang terms to you, man. And you're just going to tell me what they mean. All right. See if you can stump me. (laughs) I'll try. I'll see. I don't think I will, but, uh, you know, just give a good explanation of what they mean and maybe one, uh, <laughs> give me a little description of when you might use it. <laughs> so when you're chirping somebody's okay. So starting things off here, uh, the first term I'm going to throw at you is muffin. Well, we've muffin anytime you tried to shoot the puck because it's generally just soft as shit. Yeah. Great. So when I say, you know, that guy throw muffin, up the middle oh it was just a soft pass straight up the middle of the ice easy to pick off for the other team boom nailed the first one you're one for one um this one's pretty simple but gonna throw it to you rink rat what does rink rat mean oh some kid who or adult generally kids because once you get to an adult it's a little weird but just hangs out at the rink every day that's the only place you see the kid is at school and at the rink Boom. Nailed it. You're two for two. Um, okay, if I call somebody a hoser, what does that actually mean, description-wise? It's basically just a synonym for a loser. Yeah, yeah, in a in a way, but it does have a meaning to it as well. Where did that word originally come from? Do you know this? I do know this one. It's from the losing team on the outdoor rinks had to hose down the rink. Oh, shit. And that's where the term hoser came from. So uh, you're three for three so far. I was uh, not shocked, but you nailed that last one there. Hoser can be a tough one because uh, you could hear it, but not really understand what it means exactly. Um, so the next one here, biscuit. What's a biscuit? Oh, that's that little black thing you slap around on the ice out there. Just another name for the puck. Perfect. Just another name for a puck. Uh, okay. Okay. Moving right along here. Uh, Durham, you're a duster. What does duster mean? I wish it was the first time I've heard that. <laughs> Generally just someone it's who sucks the at last. the sport. <laughs> it, oh, it won't be. I've been left behind in the dust so many times. That's basically all it is, is someone who's not very good and just gets left behind. Yeah. Um, kind of the guy who, uh, who, you know, isn't getting ice time. Uh, sitting on the bench a lot uh, typically means he's collecting dust. So uh, he's not really getting played too much. Maybe a shift or two there. Uh, he's a bit of a duster. So that's that's what that term means. All right. A uh, couple more to go here. Um, if I say uh, that guy got Cronwald, what does that mean? It means he was coming down the uh, 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 yeah, coming down the wall along the boards there, and the D steps up and just fucking killed him. He has no idea where he is. And that comes from the Detroit Red Wing defenseman, the old Swede there, Nicholas Cronwall. Just fucking killed people. Remember when he broke Ryan Malone's face? I do. I think he broke a few faces. Fuck, he probably came close to snapping some vertebrae and uh, maybe a neck or two there. Oh, my God. Getting Cronwalled, the worst. Anybody who hasn't seen... Um, a compilation of Nicholas Cronwall hits. Just type that in on YouTube. Enjoy the next 15 minutes of your life because it's going to be very exciting. Um, but yeah, you can even type in the term Cronwald 
guarantee a, a compilation pops up of basically players getting absolutely knocked out from Nicholas Cronwell hits and it kind of explain the way he hits people too. Cause it's not usually a, a, a typical hit you see. No, instead of just kind of stopping and throwing his shoulders into it, he would be back skating and pivot and throw his whole fucking body in. He'd hit you with his entire core from shoulder to hip. Yeah, and it was devastating too. You get the whole his whole back right into <laughs> your front end. Kind of sounds a little dirty there, but uh, that's basically what it was. Plus, you know, uh, just with the force and everything going into it. Uh, have you been Cronwalled before? Oh, if you haven't been Cronwalled, you're not playing the game right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, true, true. especially the best way to winger. get into the game is hit or be hit, and it's so much yeah. easier to be hit. That's true. I honestly, I can remember a lot of times that uh, I would take a big hit early in the game, and it actually get me into the game. So. Uh, yeah, I've been there before. And uh, going with the last term of this one, uh, yard sale. So we're not out here picking up good deals. Uh, give me what a yard sale is in hockey. Yard sales generally when two guys go to fight there and they shed their mitts and sometimes their elbow pads come off, the gloves gone. Every once in a while you get a jersey down there too, but it's just when the two guys going for a scrap or a big scrum out there and all their equipment's just laying all over the ice and it looks exactly like a yard sale. Correct. And I, I believe that term can be used too after a big open ice hit as well. If, uh, you know, a stick or gloves go flying as well. So yeah, pretty much any time equipment's laying around or flying through the, the air, um, that's a yard sale in hockey. And uh, I got to ask you again, have you been yard sale? Oh, of course. I got hip checked once and my stick went flying and that had to be the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. I went ass <laughs> over tea kettle. Yeah, I remember a game in junior. Um, can't remember who we were playing, but I was going up the middle of the ice. And uh, yeah, I kind of had my head down and I had two guys hit me at different angles. And I think I tried to kind of get out of the way of the one and the other guy just clipped me. And I think like my stick probably flew 60 feet in the air, um, probably almost took out a fan's eye, to be honest. And yeah, my glove was you know flying in the other direction. And yeah, a bit of a bit embarrassing when it happens, but it was a complete yard sale, and that taught me that uh, don't fucking skate with your head down, even in junior hockey. It's it's uh, not a good idea, especially coming up the middle of the ice. Oh, it's such a good feeling when you yard sale somebody too. You just look at them, stare them in the eye, and it's like, go pick up your shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like the NHL or the hockey version of the the walk of shame, kind of the skate of shame to go pick up your your stuff, especially if the whistle hasn't went. <laughs> Super oh, the worst skate. is when your gloves offside too. Just guys, I'll be right back. Don't go in the zone. Yeah, <laughs> pull a little uh, Bobby Orr where he loses his glove. Uh, continues skating with the puck. Uh, you know, goes for a lap, picks up the fucking puck or picks up the glove you know, on the fly and then goes down and scores a goal. I wish I could do that. I wish Maybe too, 80 but... years ago if I was still in the body I had now. <laughs> We're not all Bobby Orr, okay? We're not all uh, the greatest skater uh, back in the day. So uh, that guy could fly around. Yeah, he did all right. I would say he's like the, like the, the you know, if the back then version of McDavid. 
Like he was easily and by far the best skater of his time. Well, I always liked the, I think it was Bobby Clark said this quote about Bobby Orr because it's too bad. There's not a better league for him to go play in. <laughs> That's a hell of a quote right there. I like that. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this podcast. Uh, so thanks Durham for joining. Thanks for having me. Always a blast. Oh, friggin' rights, bud, every time. Uh, so, and thanks everybody for tuning in to uh, episode 22, uh, aka Mason Appleton here. Uh, join us next week. We're going to break down all four of those cracking games. And of course, just like always, keep you up to date with NHL news and all things cracking related. So, have a great week, everyone, and peace out, cracking nation. Yeah.